Chapter 2 Methodology Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Robert Frost Section 2.1 Four Reasons for Grounded Theory The growth of the internet will slow drastically as the flaw in Metcalfe's law becomes apparent. Most people have nothing to say to each other. By 2005 or so, it'll become clear that the internet's impact on the economy has been no greater than the fax machines. Paul Krugman Section 2.1.1 Grounded Theories Are Used to Inform Public Policy This thesis utilizes the Grounded Theory Research Methodology. Grounded theory has been a popular research methodology in the social scientists for the better half of a century. It is commonly used for developing novel theories that are grounded in and inductively derived from systemically analyzed data. This methodology is commonly used for research related to public policy. As co-creator of grounded theory, Anselm Strauss once explained, Grounded theory can be relevant and possibly influential either to the understanding of policymakers or to their direct action. The author chose the grounded theory methodology for four primary reasons. The first has already been mentioned. It is one of the most popular forms of qualitative research used for shaping public policy. Second, it is flexible enough to accommodate analysis from multiple different theoretical frameworks. Third, because it accommodates disciplined qualitative analysis, and qualitative analysis is necessary for addressing questions related to public policymaking and national strategic security. And fourth, because of the author's personal desire to challenge himself with a different type of research methodology. Expanding on these four reasons further, an explicit goal of this thesis is to help policymakers, military senior leaders, and the public become more aware of the social, technical, and national strategic implications of Bitcoin following two presidential EOs released by the White House within the same three-month period. The first was President Biden's March 2022 EO on ensuring responsible development of digital assets. The second was President Biden's May 2022 EO on improving the nation's cybersecurity. Grounded theory seemed like a natural fit because it enables the author to address both EOs simultaneously to help inform White House staffers and public policy makers. Section 2.1.2 Analysis of emerging technology should not be performed under single theoretical frameworks. The second reason why the author selected grounded theory is because the methodology's flexibility is necessary to explore the full range of implications of an emerging technology from multiple different perspectives. The author felt it was necessary to use a research methodology that could accommodate a wide range of data analysis across a broad range of subject matter. When this research endeavor started, it was clear to the author that Bitcoin could be analyzed using many different theories.
but it wasn't clear what subject area was most appropriate for conceptualizing Bitcoin's socio-technical implications. To expand upon the argument presented in the introduction, some theoretical frameworks for analyzing Bitcoin are clearly more popular within academia, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're more appropriate. This point of view became a core theme of this thesis because one of the primary hypotheses to emerge from the data analysis was that academia could be inappropriately categorizing Bitcoin as strictly a monetary technology, thereby creating a blind spot which ignores other categorizations that expose potentially more significant national strategic security implications. In short, current research efforts are not addressing two basic principles of computer science. 1. Object-oriented software is an arbitrarily derived abstraction. 2. The semantics used in all software design specifications are also arbitrarily derived, making Bitcoin an arbitrarily derived name for a software abstraction. The problem with using a traditional scientific model for researching Bitcoin is that a theoretical framework of analysis must be presumptuously chosen up front, and then one or more hypotheses must be derived from within the boundary of that theoretical framework, prior to the collection of data to assess the validity of the hypotheses. By researching Bitcoin using a traditional scientific model, academics are compartmentalizing this technology into one theoretical category from which they analyze it which almost always ends up being one of the same three frameworks, financial, monetary, or economic theory. To illustrate this point, the reader is invited to perform their own literature review on Bitcoin to find a paper that doesn't analyze it using one of these same frameworks. Shoehorning Bitcoin as strictly a monetary technology and then relying on the expertise of economists to influence public policy should be a major problem. There could be a very high-stakes game theory at play for the U.S. if proof-of-work protocols like Bitcoin represent more than just a candidate form of internet money. If everyone researching Bitcoin is complicit in making the same tacit assumption that Bitcoin is strictly a monetary technology prior to analyzing it, then that is going to create a pool of skewed and biased research that gives public policymakers a massive blind spot. This could be devastating to U.S. national security interests and global power dominance in the 21st century, if Bitcoin does indeed represent more than just peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. Bitcoin is multidisciplinary technology and multidisciplinary technology should not be compartmentalized under single theoretical frameworks or fields of knowledge like economics. As Harvard professor Orlando Patterson argued in 2015, over-reliance on economic pseudoscience is an emerging problem within academia in general, not just as it relates to research on emerging technologies like Bitcoin. Have we given economists too much authority based on mistaken views about their scientific reputation among established scientists and the public? Thanks to the grounded theory research methodology, the author didn't have to choose a single theoretical framework like economics from which to analyze Bitcoin. 
Grounded theory gave the author the flexibility needed to analyze Bitcoin from multiple different domains of knowledge and chase the rabbit down a complex multidisciplinary rabbit hole that involved concepts and categories from multiple different scientific and engineering disciplines. After collecting data using different theoretical frameworks, the author was free to use inductive and deductive reasoning to develop several unique, counterintuitive, but informed hypotheses, which could be followed by more targeted data collection techniques for validation. This methodology allows the author to present the academic community with a theoretical framework they can use to do their own analysis, develop their own ideas and hypotheses, and to think for themselves using their own area of expertise. Section 2.1.3 National security is a trans-scientific question involving unquantifiable variables. The third reason why the author selected grounded theory is because questions regarding public safety or system security are fundamentally trans-scientific questions that incorporate frustratingly unquantifiable phenomena like security design decisions and ethical considerations. It's impossible to objectively quantify what good security design is, just like it's impossible to quantify what the socially right thing to do is. These are fundamentally trans-scientific questions that demand rigorous qualitative, not quantitative, analysis. The grounded theory methodology is famous for its ability to support flexible yet structured qualitative analysis of precisely these sorts of trans-scientific social questions. This thesis explores social and security implications of an emerging technology, so it seems appropriate to utilize the methodology that was explicitly designed to address social questions like public safety and security. Section 2.1.4 Grounded theory is more challenging, more fun, and perhaps more likely to be seen. Finally, in the interest of being fully transparent to the reader, the fourth and last reason why the author selected a grounded theory methodology is because of selfish, personal motivations. In the author's subjective opinion, grounded theory looked like it would be more fun, more challenging, and produce more interesting deliverables than the traditional scientific method. Many have argued that grounded theories offer more conceptually dense and intellectually satisfying results. This thesis represents another DOD-sponsored research endeavor and a second chance for the author to produce another thesis. The author saw this as an opportunity to challenge himself with a different research methodology with which he had no previous experience. Additionally, the author thought that using a grounded theory methodology might produce something more people would want to read. Public research that nobody reads is poorly performing public research. It's frankly a waste of dollars, not to mention a waste of a researcher's time, talent, and expertise to write something that nobody reads. Section 2.2 Overview Reality simply consists of different points of view. Margaret Atwood Section 2.2.1 The goal of grounded theory 
is to generate a new theory, not to analyze a hypothesis. The goal of grounded theory, the methodology, is to produce a grounded theory, the deliverable. The central idea behind this methodology is to evolve a novel theory through an iterative and continuous interplay between data collection and analysis. This research approach directly contrasts with the hypothesis-deductive approach of the traditional scientific method because it includes and emphasizes both inductive and deductive reasoning aimed at developing a new theory rather than strictly deductive reasoning aimed at testing a hypothesis derived from an existing theory. In the traditional hypothesis-deductive approach, a hypothesis is derived from a previously existing theory and then proven or disproven based on analysis of data. Grounded theory uses a different process where data collection, analysis, and theory development happen simultaneously and iteratively during research until the researcher eventually arrives at theoretical saturation, the point where additional data stops providing additional theoretical insight. Then, after the novel theory has been developed, it is possible to formulate and test hypotheses using the traditional hypothesis-deductive approach. Grounded theory methodologies are useful in situations where there are not formally defined or existing theoretical frameworks from which to formulate a hypothesis in the first place. The author asserts that this is precisely the case for emerging proof-of-work technologies like Bitcoin. Existing theoretical frameworks don't paint a complete picture of the technology. This could be creating an undetectable bias in academic analysis because nobody is asking questions like, should we assume that this is only monetary technology and not something more? To remedy this, grounded theory can be used to develop a novel theory that researchers can use as a new starting point to formulate new hypotheses. The primary deliverable of this grounded theory research endeavor is therefore a new theory, not another hypothesis-deductive analysis of the same recycled presumptions. The goal of any grounded theory effort is to discover emerging patterns in analyzed data and to develop a novel, generalized theory. Researchers who use grounded theory do so with the intent to provide a usable explanation for an existing phenomenon. As grounded theory researcher Kyla Sebastian notes, Rather than relying on past analyses or assumptions to highlight the right answers to the wrong questions, grounded theory pushes researchers to be enthusiastic and driven towards finding the right answers to the right questions. The challenge of a grounded theory researcher is to find the right theoretical framework from which to ask the right questions. The challenge of a grounded theory researcher is to find the right theoretical framework from which to ask the right questions. In their book which first introduced grounded theory, Glaser and Strauss assert that conventional research methods pressure people into verifying theories rather than attempting to generate new ones. They argue that there is no reason to believe that verifying theories should have primacy over generating new ones, that both types of research are equally valid and can be equally as beneficial 
especially in fields of research that could be asking the wrong questions because they aren't using an appropriate theoretical framework, or fields of research that go stale because they keep asking the same questions over again. Generating theory goes hand-in-hand with verifying it, but many sociologists have been diverted from this truism in their zeal to test existing theories. Surely, no conflict between verifying and generating theory is logically necessary during the course of any given research. However, undoubtedly there exists a conflict concerning the primacy of purpose reflecting the opposition between a desire to generate theory and a trained need to verify it. Since verification has a primacy, the desire to generate theory often becomes secondary, if not totally lost, in specific researches. Section 2.2.2 The Interpretivist Approach to Grounded Theory Over the course of the past 50 years, several different approaches to grounded theory have emerged, the most common being classical, interpretivist, and constructivist approaches. This thesis utilizes the interpretivist approach championed by the co-creator of the grounded theory methodology, Anselm Strauss. The interpretivist approach to grounded theory differs from other approaches in four primary ways. The first difference is that it allows for the researcher to be engaged with the data and to actively make their own interpretations of it, rather than striving to be as distant and detached from data analysis as possible and restricting oneself exclusively to other people's interpretations of the data. The second difference with the interpretivist approach to grounded theory is that it encourages the use of prior knowledge to influence the interpretation of data. The interpretivist style of grounded theory allows for researchers to leverage prior knowledge on a given subject to strengthen the overall research using their own insights on relevant issues. Strauss encourages researchers to be aware of the influences of their prior knowledge so they do not negatively impact their research focus, data collection, and categorization efforts. But, he insists that prior disciplinary or professional knowledge is highly valuable and should be incorporated into the inquiry. The ability to utilize prior knowledge is the primary reason why the author chose the interpretivist approach to grounded theory as it allows for the author to incorporate his own professional experience into the interpretation of collected data. The author is a field-grade officer in the military and a weapons system developmental engineer with subject matter expert in blast and ballistics engineering, electronic warfare, satellite system design, and software design, who was a part of the founding team of officers who stood up U.S. Space Command, and U.S. Space Force. The author has more than a decade of experience with physical security, system safety, and software development missions for the DoD, which can be useful for detecting patterns and developing insights about emerging proof-of-work technologies that appear to be closely related to cybersecurity. Critics of the interpretivist approach to grounded theory argue that incorporating one's own experiences into the interpretation of data can bias the results. If you're trained to be a hammer, the critique goes, then you're more likely to see a nail. 
Strauss argues that this phenomenon is of primary advantage to the interpretivist approach because analogical thinking is a core part of all theory development. In other words, the hammer's inclination to see a nail is a good thing because it can uncover new insights and patterns which were previously undetected by those who don't have the same disciplinary or professional knowledge as the hammer. In a crowd full of screwdrivers who only see a screw, it can be useful for a hammer to enter the scene to explain why it sees a nail, especially if the phenomenon being examined is indeed a nail that nobody recognizes yet because they aren't thinking like a hammer thinks. The author has a niche field of expertise. If we assume that his interpretation of data related to the subject of Bitcoin is biased, then we must also admit that his interpretation can be no more biased than the interpretation of financial or economic theorists on data related to the subject of Bitcoin. It could therefore be useful for people to listen to a different interpretation considering how all interpretations are biased and few people analyzing Bitcoin have the same background as the author. If the goal of existing EOs is to investigate the national strategic security implications of technologies like Bitcoin for the sake of developing informed public policy, it could be useful to consider the interpretation of the U.S. National Defense Fellow the person whose full-time job is to investigate the national strategic security implications of new technologies. The cross-pollination of insights derived from a researcher's field of expertise is something to encourage, Strauss argues, not something to condemn. Prior disciplinary or professional knowledge greatly enhances the development of the theory because it empowers analogical thinking and makes the researcher more attentive to relevant matters from different bodies of knowledge that would otherwise go unnoticed by other people without similar expertise. Researchers endeavoring to perform interpretivist grounded theory carry into their research the sensitizing possibilities of their training, reading, and research experience, as well as explicit theories from outside disciplines that might be useful if played against systemically gathered data in conjunction with theories emerging from analysis of these data. A third major difference with the interpretivist approach to grounded theory is that it allows for the researcher to have a vaguely established research question prior to data collection, rather than not being allowed to have any form of preset research question prior to data collection, no matter how loose or vague. This was another reason why the author favored the interpretivist approach as the author already had a vaguely established research question prior to starting the research. What are the national strategic security implications of Bitcoin? The fourth major difference with the interpretivist approach to grounded theory is related to literature reviews. The interpretivist approach allows the researcher to incorporate the literature review into the data collection process so that it can be used for data analysis, to make data comparisons, to stimulate new observations, and to confirm or explain certain results. Therefore, rather than completing a literature review prior to or after data collection, a researcher using interpretivist grounded theory 
can incorporate or blend the literature review into the theory itself. The reader should note that this thesis does not have a separate or distinct chapter for the literature review like a traditional thesis would have, particularly the ones which utilize the traditional scientific method. Instead, the literature review of this thesis is woven into the development of the theory across multiple chapters. Section 2.2.3 Common Pitfalls to Avoid When Developing Grounded Theories One of the most commonly cited mistakes of researchers using the grounded theory methodology is that they become too self-restrictive. Corbin and Strauss emphasize that qualitative research is not meant to have a lot of structure or rigid approach to analysis. It is an interpretive, very dynamic, free-flowing process, and unless researchers understand the basics of what they are trying to do, they lose these aspects of analysis. Their research becomes superficial and fails to provide the novel insights into human behavior that give qualitative research its dynamic edge. Another common problem associated with this methodology is that researchers often struggle to find the right way to summarize or explain complex ideas using abstraction and inductive reasoning. A core goal of an interpretivist approach to grounded theory is finding the right way to break down and better understand complex social phenomenon using system thinking techniques like abstraction, but without oversimplifying the issues at hand. Strauss describes this challenge as follows. The world of social phenomena is bafflingly complex. How to unravel some of that complexity, to order it, not to be dismayed or defeated by it? How not to avoid the complexity, nor distort interpretation of it by oversimplifying it out of existence? This is, of course, an old problem. Abstraction inevitably simplifies, yet to comprehend deeply, to order, some degree of abstraction is necessary. How to keep a balance between distortion and conceptualization? To mitigate the challenge of having to connect the dots between multiple different fields of knowledge, some researchers will deliberately avoid using diverse theoretical frameworks when performing their grounded theory analysis and instead choose to stick to familiar areas of expertise. To put it in simpler terms, researchers are sometimes tempted to avoid chasing the rabbit down the rabbit hole if it starts to appear like it's leading them too far away from their comfort zone. Strauss warns against this behavior because it can cause grounded theories to become too categorically narrow. He argues that one of the primary values of the interpretivist approach to grounded theory is that it allows for the exploration of a given phenomenon in very diverse and perhaps even counterintuitive fields of knowledge. He asserts that researchers should seek to utilize a wide array of concepts from different fields of knowledge to showcase interesting patterns and provide conceptually dense theories. The more diverse the subject matter within a given theory, the more intellectually satisfying the results can be. In his words, Part of the risk is that users don't understand important aspects of the methodology, yet claim to be using it in their research. 
For instance, they discover a basic process but fail to develop it conceptually because they overlook or do not understand that variation gives a grounded theory analysis conceptual richness. Without incorporating varied data from separate fields of knowledge, Strauss warns that researchers can end up writing sterile theories that don't provide novel, unique, or interesting insights. Strauss asserts that being overly restrictive with inductive research and not utilizing the grounded theory methodology's strength of flexibility is a missed opportunity that, quite frankly, produces boring results. It's okay for researchers to analyze previously developed theories that were restrictive with their approach, but he urges researchers not to allow previously developed theories to restrict the development of their own theory. Thoughtful reaction against restrictive, prior theories and theoretical models can be salutary, Strauss explains, but too rigid a conception of induction can lead to sterile or boring studies. To avoid these pitfalls, the author deliberately incorporated concepts from highly diverse fields of knowledge. Most of the core concepts developed in this theory have nothing to do with finance, money, or economics. Instead, the core categories of this theory are derived from fields like biology, neuroscience, computer science, and systems security. They incorporate concepts related to natural selection, dominance hierarchies, human metacognition, political science, military theory, and even strategic nuclear policy. This theory is intentionally different from any other approach to analyzing Bitcoin because the author believes that a different approach to analyzing Bitcoin is what's needed. Section 2.3 Process Section 2.3.1 Four Phases of Grounded Theory Development This section summarizes the interpretivist approach to grounded theory that was used for this thesis, as outlined by Corbin and Strauss in their book, Basics of Qualitative Research, Techniques and Procedures for Developing Grounded Theory. The methodology consists of four general phases illustrated in Figure 4 below. Four phases of grounded theory development. The first phase is data collection. Once enough raw data has been collected for analysis, the second phase is data coding. Once enough data have been coded and categorized, the next phase is theoretical sampling. These three phases repeat in a cyclical, continuous pattern until reaching a point called theoretical saturation, at which point the final theory is assembled. Section 2.3.2 Phase 1 Data Collection The grounded theory approach relies heavily on constant comparative analysis of collected data. Using the constant comparative method, a researcher continuously moves back and forth between data collection and data analysis in an iterative manner, asking a series of questions designed to encourage inductive reasoning and lead to the development of a new theory regarding some phenomenon. The continuous, generative questioning of data, more colloquially known as pulling threads, leads the researcher through multiple iterations of data collection, data coding, and theoretical sampling. 
This helps the researcher identify what data is to be collected and analyzed. One of the biggest advantages of the grounded theory methodology is that it allows for a researcher to comb through highly diverse and unconventional sources of data, including but not limited to videos, documents, drawings, diaries, group meetings, memoirs, news articles, opinion pieces, historical documents, biographies, books, journals, technical papers, non-technical papers, and studies. Grounded theory researchers can use one or several of these sources in combination with each other depending upon what they're investigating. Data diversity is especially helpful when researching a field of technology as novel as Bitcoin, because much of the latest and most informed subject matter related to this technology comes from informal sources. The Bitcoin white paper, for example, was published via a private mailing list rather than through academic journals. Likewise, the first operational proof-of-work software was circulating amongst a largely anonymous online community of cypherpunks for years before the idea of proof-of-work was first developed in formal academic literature. Moreover, this subject matter is still new, controversial, divisive, and has yet to arrive at academic, professional, or legal consensus surrounding it, making it virtually impossible to define what constitutes an informed source of information. The primary source of data collected was technical literature and non-technical literature. Technical literature consisted of scientific research papers, research reports, theoretical papers, philosophical papers, and other sources of information characteristic of professional and disciplinary writing. These primary data were mostly sourced from the author's academic studies and research. The author was enrolled in MIT's System Design and Management Curriculum and took several graduate elective classes like System Security and Software Engineering to support this research endeavor. Non-technical literature was also used as supplemental data. These data included books, letters, autobiographies, diaries, reports, videos, memoirs, news articles, catalogs, memos, scientific or otherwise, and a variety of other materials. Section 2.3.3 Phase 2 Data Coding Data coding is a process where a researcher engages in a process of quantitative microanalysis, interpretation, and conceptual abstraction by assigning concepts, aka codes, to singular incidences of data. Concepts are words or phrases used by the analyst to stand for the interpreted meaning of a given incidence of data. After enough data have been coded, a grounded theory researcher engages in a process of conceptual ordering where concepts are organized into discrete categories according to their properties. For example, characteristics that define, give specificity, and differentiate one concept from another. And dimensions. For example, the range over which a conceptual property can vary. Quantitative microanalysis of data involves careful consideration and interpretation of meaning. Every concept represents a researcher's own subjective understanding of the meaning implicit 
in the words and actions of participants. To arrive at meaning, an analyst will brainstorm, make constant comparisons, try out multiple different ideas, eliminate some interpretations in favor of others, and expand upon others before finally arriving at a final interpretation. This is designed to be a productive process which can generate multiple meanings of the same event, object, or experience. The goal is to open minds to new points of view and to illuminate other people's experiences through the context of different fields of knowledge. This cross-pollination of different ideas and careful consideration of interpretation gives people a way to explain things which might not otherwise be easy to recognize or understand within a given theoretical framework, particularly the ones that are considered more popular or conventional. As Corbin explains, quantitative microanalysis of data's interpreted meaning is useful because it enables people to think differently about things and uncover new, unconventional insights which might otherwise go undetected. Novel theories often arrive at conclusions that go against conventional wisdom because researchers were careful observers of detail that kept an open and exploratory mindset about what they observed. Corbin cites an explanation of this phenomenon by social economist William Beveridge. New knowledge very often has its origins in some quite unexpected observation or chance occurrence arising during an investigation. Interpreting the clue and realizing its significance required knowledge without fixed ideas, imagination, scientific taste, and a habit of contemplating all unexplained observances. In reading of scientific discoveries, one is sometimes struck by the simple and apparently easy observations which have given rise to great and far-reaching discoveries making scientists famous. But in retrospect, we see the discovery with its significance established. Originally, the discovery usually had no intrinsic significance. The discoverer gives its significance by relating it to other knowledge, and perhaps using it to derive further knowledge. The basic level concepts generated from data coding create the foundation of a grounded theory. Concepts are organized in varying levels of abstraction into categories based on their themes, properties, and dimensions. Categories provide the framework or skeleton of a grounded theory, which gives it greater explanatory power. Categories themselves can be further organized into higher levels of abstraction according to their properties and dimensions to create what are known as core categories. Core categories form the backbone of a theory. They represent what a researcher has determined to be the main theme of the data. Core categories are comprised of broad, holistic, and abstract concepts. When a grounded theory is finalized, it is usually ordered, assembled, and presented according to its core categories. Figure 5 provides an illustration of how a grounded theory is constructed. General construction of a grounded theory. Researchers engage in data collection and data coding to develop basic level concepts, then use inductive reasoning to generate more generalized and abstract categories. 
Core categories serve as the highest level abstractions of the theory. When a researcher presents the core categories of their grounded theory to an audience, the word grounded serves as a reminder that each core category is grounded to basic level concepts that were developed after quantitative microanalysis and interpretation of coded data. Section 2.3.4 Phase 3 Theoretical Sampling The goal of generating a new theoretical framework is to create a foundation for explaining phenomena and for providing concepts and hypotheses for subsequent research. As Corbin and Strauss explain, at the heart of theorizing lies the interplay between researcher and data, out of which concepts are identified, developed in terms of their properties and dimensions, and integrated around a core category through statements denoting the relationships between them all. Theories can range from substantive, middle-range, or formal, depending on how specific, broad, and dense they are. For this thesis, the author endeavored to create a formal theory. Formal theories are the broadest and most dense kind of theory, used to understand a wider range of social concerns or problems. Constructing a formal theory requires an idea to be explored fully and considered from multiple different angles or perspectives. To aid in this process, researchers utilize analytical tools like diagrams, visual devices that depict relationships between analytical concepts, and memos, written records of analysis. Diagrams and memos represent more than just repositories of analysis, but a form of analysis in and of itself where a researcher can form a dialogue with their data to move their analysis further. An example of a diagram generated during the author's data coding effort is shown in Figure 6, Conceptual Diagram Generated During Data Coding. When performing data analysis, Corbin and Strauss explain that researchers must constantly interact with data by examining it, making comparisons, asking questions, coming up with new concepts to stand for meaning, and suggesting possible relationships between different concepts. These activities create a dialogue in the mind of a researcher that can be captured in diagrams and memos, allowing the researcher to brainstorm and let loose with their thoughts. In the beginning, memos and diagrams are rudimentary representations of thought. But as the research progresses, they grow in complexity, density, clarity, and accuracy, and serve as a useful tool for keeping track of the complex and cumulative thought processes which go into detailed qualitative analysis. Memos and diagrams provide functional utility because they serve as a method for opening data exploration, identifying or developing the properties and dimensions of concepts, asking questions, exploring relationships, and developing a theory's overall storyline. As the properties and dimensions of different concepts and categories become more developed, grounded theory researchers transition into a more targeted approach to data collection and coding, 
known as theoretical sampling. Theoretical sampling is a method of data collection that is based on concepts derived from previously collected and coded data, as opposed to early phase data collection, which was not collected based on concepts. In other words, theoretical sampling is a method of data collection that enables a researcher to follow up or close the loop on specific concepts that are interpreted from previous data coding. The purpose of theoretical sampling is to collect additional data from people, places, and events that maximize the researcher's opportunities to develop concepts in terms of their properties and dimensions, identify relationships between concepts, and uncover different variations of the same concept. During theoretical sampling, data is scrutinized for tensions, ambiguities, contradictions, and conflicting codes, as these suggest the need for further data collection and analysis to help resolve the dissonance. This creates a cyclical process where the researcher stays locked in a loop of constant data collection, data analysis, quantitative microanalysis and interpretation of meaning, memo writing, diagram drawing, and further theoretical sampling. The researcher remains in this cyclical process until they reach theoretical saturation, the point where no new concepts emerge from coded data, and where all existing concepts have been fully explored in terms of their properties and dimensional variation. Upon reaching saturation, the researcher can move to the final phase of grounded theory methodology. Section 2.3.5 Phase 4 Theory Formation Once theoretical saturation has been achieved, the final phase of a grounded theory effort is the integration and write-up of the theory itself a process where formulated categories are linked together via core categories to form the overall theme of the theory. Integration is essential for creating a holistic view of underlying concepts, as concepts alone don't make a theory. Categories must be linked together and filled with conceptual detail to construct a dense and explanatory theory that represents more than just the sum of different categories. Core categories often have the greatest explanatory power because they expose the common thread relating different concepts together in new and interesting ways. If chosen correctly, core categories create the mind-blown effect of a novel theory where interesting facts or enlightening information link together in new ways to create a sense of surprise or excitement. Corbin and Strauss provide a list of five criteria for identifying whether a particular category of concepts qualifies as a core category. The first criterion of a core category is that it must be sufficiently abstract so that it can be used as an overarching explanatory concept that ties underlying categories and concepts together. The second criterion is that it must appear frequently in the coded data, to the point where within almost all cases of coded data, there are indicators that point to the same core concepts. 
The third criterion of a core category is that it must be logical and consistent with the coded data. Concepts should not have to be forced under a core category. The fourth criterion of a core category is that it must be abstract enough to be used in further research that could lead to the development of a general theory. The final criterion of a core category is that it should appear to grow in conceptual depth and explanatory power as lower-level categories are related to it. Figure 7, core categories chosen for this research effort, provides a breakdown of the core categories identified by the author. These core concepts were identified based on the most commonly reoccurring concepts coded after achieving theoretical saturation. The central core category of this grounded theory is power projection. The theory begins with an exploration of power projection tactics in nature and explores subcategories of basic level concepts related to power-based resource control, principles of survivorship, and inter-intra-species power competitions. These concepts create the foundational understanding needed to explore the next core category of human power projection tactics. From here, the theory dives deep into subcategories of concepts related to abstract power projection tactics and physical power projection tactics employed by modern agrarian human societies. These concepts create the foundational understanding needed to explore the final core category of power projection tactics in cyberspace. From here, the theory dives deep into a subcategory of concepts related to abstract power projection tactics in, from, and through cyberspace. This lays the groundwork for understanding Bitcoin not as a monetary technology, but as a potentially new form of software-instantiated physical power projection technology, which the author encapsulates with the neologism software. With these core categories identified, the author assembled the most relevant conceptual memos under each core category to form the final integrated theory. The theory itself is simply a collection of conceptual memos written by the author throughout the duration of the data collection and analysis effort, which expand on the basic level concepts that were interpreted during coding. It should be noted that the final integrated theory only includes categories and concepts that were most relevant to the core categories which were not known prior to data collection and analysis. In other words, what the reader sees as the final deliverable of this research endeavor represents only a fraction of the concepts explored throughout the duration of quantitative microanalysis. The author's job was to effectively discover all the dead-end ideas or clues in pursuit of finding a new common thread linking different concepts together in a previously undetected way. The novel theory presented to the public as the final deliverable represents a small tip of a much larger iceberg of concepts analyzed throughout the formation of the theory. By linking all these diverse concepts together under the same core categories centered on power projection, the reader is, hopefully, 
able to gain a newfound appreciation for the potential socio-technical and national strategic implications of proof-of-work protocols like Bitcoin that expands beyond the boundaries of the current theoretical frameworks that are being used to analyze this technology. The theory incorporates multiple different fields of knowledge together in a novel, and hopefully interesting, way that highlights how this technology could have broader implications than what is currently being addressed using singular frameworks like financial, monetary, or economic theory. Section 2.4 Disadvantages and Advantages Experience without theory is blind, but theory without experience is mere intellectual play. Immanuel Kant Section 2.4.1 Four Commonly Cited Disadvantages of Grounded Theory Many formal studies and papers have discussed the advantages and disadvantages of grounded theory. What follows is a summary of those which stood out to the author based off his experience completing this thesis, starting with four disadvantages and concluding with three advantages. As previously stated, the most cited disadvantage of grounded theory is that interpretations and findings are vulnerable to intrusion of perspectives, biases, and assumptions. There are strategies that can be used to highlight and mitigate these intrusions, but it certainly appeared to be a valid criticism. However, it is important for the reader to understand that subjectivity of interpretation is often not considered to be a bad thing in qualitative research, like it is with quantitative research, because different interpretations lead to the formation of new knowledge. People like hearing diverse and unique perspectives on issues that are important to them, and subjectivity of interpretation is precisely what provides these unique perspectives. A second, commonly cited disadvantage of grounded theory is that it doesn't provide objective results. This appears to be another form of general discontent with qualitative research. Corbin and Strauss argue that it is not possible for qualitative research to have objective results, and assert that researchers should instead aim for sensitivity rather than objectivity. In their words, Data collection and analysis have traditionally called for objectivity. Today, it is acknowledged that objectivity as it is traditionally defined in research can't be applied to qualitative research. The reason is that qualitative researchers interface with participants and the data. They bring with them their perspectives, training, knowledge, assumptions, and biases which in turn influence how they interact with participants and interpret data. Instead of objectivity, qualitative researchers aim for sensitivity, or the ability to carefully listen and respect both participants and the data they provide. A third, commonly cited disadvantage of grounded theory is that the presentation of research findings is not straightforward. This is perhaps a reflection of how difficult it can be to categorize concepts and their interrelationships, which is something that the author certainly struggled with. 
Finally, a fourth commonly cited disadvantage of grounded theory is that it's time-consuming and difficult to conduct. To this criticism, the author would wholeheartedly agree. Section 2.4.2 Three Commonly Cited Advantages of Grounded Theory One of the most commonly cited advantages of grounded theory is that it's helpful for developing new understandings of complex phenomena that cannot be explained using existing theories or paradigms. Qualitative research in general is good for exploring areas that have not yet been thoroughly researched because they are flexible and allow for researchers to search and discover relevant variables that can later be tested through quantitative forms of research. Theoretical explanations can be developed that reach beyond the known or beyond what humanity is currently capable of measuring offering new insights into a variety of experiences and phenomena that should be explored in the future. It is not uncommon for a theory to be developed in one person's lifetime, only for it to be confirmed several lifetimes later using quantitative forms of research when the right measuring tools or techniques eventually become available. This is especially true for theories related to computer science as the first theories related to general-purpose computing, not to mention the first published computer program, preceded operational general-purpose computers by more than a century. In other words, the first computer programs were nothing but theories. What we now call computer science was founded by theorists and is still dominated by theorists. Sometimes, the only option is for people to theorize until the means or resources to perform more rigorous quantitative analysis becomes available. And it should go without saying that every quantitative analysis of an underlying hypothesis requires a theoretical framework from which to derive a hypothesis in the first place. Without dreamers coming up with theories, there would be no hypotheses to validate using quantitative analysis. A second, commonly cited advantage of grounded theory is that it creates a systematic and rigorous process for data collection and analysis, enabling researchers to study phenomena with a great level of depth. The author found this structure to be especially useful since he didn't have previous experience using qualitative research methodologies. A third advantage of grounded theory is that qualitative research is also good for taking a holistic and comprehensive approach to the study of phenomena because they can incorporate multiple different theoretical frameworks. General concepts can be identified and theoretical explanations can be developed that reach beyond what is currently known. This helps people give new meaning to what they encounter in their lives and perhaps make more sense of it, giving individuals and groups the ability to make sensible plans of action for managing problems, hence the methodology's popularity for public policy making. Section 2.5 Lessons Learned Without the making of theories, I am convinced there would be no observation. Charles Darwin Overall, the author was satisfied by the grounded theory methodology, 
particularly the interpretivist approach used for this research effort. The experience turned out to be far more intellectually demanding, thus satisfying, than expected. It was nice to have the flexibility to dive into diverse fields of knowledge in pursuit of underlying clues or concepts that could resolve some conflict, ambiguity, or dissonance that emerged in the analyzed data. It was extremely exciting to discover a concept that linked two completely different fields of knowledge together in unexpected ways. Being able to use a wide variety of diverse and unconventional data sources proved to be a critical enabling factor for this research effort, particularly during the theoretical sampling phase. It's hard to imagine that a detailed analysis of Bitcoin could be done without incorporating unconventional data sources, as it is still very new, and formal literature on the subject is quite scarce. For anyone considering grounded theory in the future, the author offers three lessons learned. The first lesson learned about this methodology is that it can take the researcher far outside of their academic background and create a steep cognitive switching penalty. The author spent most of his time digging through technical literature that had nothing to do with his academic background. This is both a time-consuming and mentally exhausting process because it requires the researcher to essentially teach themselves the basic principles of multiple different fields of knowledge to establish a general understanding of each field and be able to relate similar concepts from different fields together under the same theoretical categories. The author found it easy to dive deep into very narrow fields of knowledge to increase depth of understanding for each topic, but much harder to increase breadth of knowledge by diving into multiple narrow fields. There was a notable cognitive switching penalty when performing research because of having to switch attention between different fields of knowledge and their associated contexts. For example, switching from papers about computer science to biology to anthropology, etc. The upside, of course, is that doing deep dives into diverse topics is intellectually satisfying, far more so than any other research the author has done in both his professional and academic capacity. A second lesson learned about this methodology is that it's surprisingly frightening. Throughout most of the data collection and analysis process, the researcher does not know what the final theory is going to look like, how it's going to be perceived, or if it's even valid. Because much of the interpreted qualitative data is subjective, there is no satisfactory feeling of being right like there is with objective analysis of highly quantitative data sets. Additionally, unlike the traditional hypothesis-deductive approach where a researcher can choose a research question and formulate a hypothesis in such a way that it is virtually guaranteed to have interesting results, regardless of whether their hypothesis is validated or invalidated, a grounded theory approach is far more open-ended, unstructured, and uncertain. The researcher doesn't get the comfort of feeling as though their research effort is going to lead to the formulation of a meaningful and interesting theory 
until the very end of the analytical effort, long after most of the work has been done and all the pieces of the theory are integrated together. It takes a high risk tolerance and comfort with uncertainty to put so much effort into something without having a clear idea about what the end state will look like. Along the way, grounded theory can be disheartening because the analytical process requires a lot of experimentation with different interpretations and categories, creating many conceptual dead ends. Additionally, the author never felt a sensation of being done with the analysis like he did using the traditional scientific method on previous research efforts. Even after achieving theoretical saturation, there always seemed to be more concepts, properties, or dimensions to uncover. It was impossible for the author to feel like he had reached the so-called bottom of the rabbit hole. A third lesson learned about this methodology is that it is far more time-consuming than expected. Despite being explicitly warned that grounded theory is often harder and more time-consuming, coding data, drawing diagrams, and writing memos is extremely time-intensive, especially when it's related to technical literature surrounding complex topics with lots of semantic ambiguity and jargon, like computer science. It takes a lot of time digging. To discover the right data needed for theoretical sampling, most of the author's time was spent learning what interpretations not to make, what categories not to use, and what not to include in the theory. It was a challenge to sort through thousands of pages of technical and non-technical literature, interpret them, and link them together via conceptual relationships. It was even harder to identify what categories to use, and it could be very disheartening when an exciting candidate category turns out to be a dead end, causing the author to have to return to square one, or even rework or redo major parts of the theory. Moreover, the struggle to find the right categorizations is undetectable by the reader. Because all they see at the end of the effort are the precious few categorizations. Which survived a rigorous down-selection process. This creates a tip of the iceberg phenomenon, where the final grounded theory represents a tiny sample of the concepts collected and categories explored throughout the development of the theory. As a final thought about grounded theory, it's worth echoing what Corbin and Strauss summarized as the characteristics of people who are attracted to qualitative research. This methodology is for people with a humanistic bent who are curious about people and how they behave. It is for those who are creative and imaginative but have a strong sense of logic. It is for those who are detail-oriented, who can recognize variation as well as regularity in the data they analyze. To succeed at grounded theory. A researcher needs to be willing to take risks and live with ambiguity.